yesterday wondering today, curious about what we're doing. I don't blame them. I bet I'm wondering what we're doing at some time. <laughs> Sorry. Not today, I'm not. Yeah, don't, don't let that get out today. of the bag. We're, we're supposed to look like we know what we're doing. Scott and I have been praying and planning and, uh, and just uh, seeking the Lord's face over the last several weeks. And we wanted to draw in close together on this special day, this first day of this new year. And it is a really great time to kind of push the reset button on a lot of things in our lives and just think about where we are. And so what we want to do today is give you a state of the church address. Our desire is to look at what God has brought us to uh, where, brought, where God has brought us and where we are now and, and ultimately look at where we are moving forward. You know, as we've been evaluating the ministries of the church and looking at all of those things, uh, we just want to share with you what's on our heart for 2017 and beyond. Well, Pastor, the scripture does tell us in Proverbs chapter 27, verse 23, that we are to be diligent to know the state of the flock and to attend to the herd. You know, part of, part of our responsibility, part of my calling as the pastor of this church, part of our pastoral staff responsibility is to know where we are as a church family. And to, we, we can't know everything about everybody, but I want to assure you first and foremost that we pray continually for each of you. And as we think about where God wants to take us as a church, we've get, been given the responsibility to kind of move forward. And so we need to have a clear picture of where we are as a church, but we need to paint an even clearer picture of where we believe God wants us to go. And so the desire and the design of today's message as we walk through scripture together uh, is really going to begin to give you a list of goals for 2017. And hopefully on your way in, you got a list of those goals. If you didn't, don't worry, we'll have them outside uh, the, the uh, foyer area and we'll be getting those to you at our connect stations. But I just wanna kind of walk through some things. We're calling 2017 the year of discipleship. And our desire in that is that we would focus on pursuing Jesus Christ. We wanna challenge every single person here. I wanna make sure the choir hears this as well. We wanna challenge every single person here. They can't hear. You guys stay, we'll preach it to you afterwards, okay? We'll do it again. Amen. If you guys need to get up and move, you're more than welcome to move. I, again, I apologize. This morning has been one filled with attack. We've had things from stem to stern, beginning to end that have just uh, really, really pressed in and tried to distract. And I believe it's because God has something to say to us this morning. Amen? Amen. How many of you came this morning to hear a word from God? Amen. That's most of you. I pray that God would speak one to us. Here's what we want to do. We want to challenge every single one of you this morning um, to pursue Jesus. And we want to give you the tools to do it. We wanna give you tools that are gonna help you to focus in on that relationship. We believe that this message is a critical step in our journey toward this coming year being the year of discipleship. Yeah, I, I think that, I, I, by the way, I'm very glad the choir wants to hear us. Uh, me too. That's me exciting too. That's to me that they would walk, walk down and wanna hear us. A lot, a lot of people at this point of the year, because what a great day, January the 1st, they take time to reflect and they look at where they want to be. They make resolutions. And, uh, and there's a difference between where you are and where you want to be, right? That's always kind of the, the point of making a resolution. We don't always like where we are in some areas. And so therefore we want to change that. So this morning, basically our desire is to take a selfie of the church. And so not an actual, it's not selfie time. I don't know if I need to pull my phone out. Don't. It's okay. I'm ready for it. I wore a suit today. I'm ready for a All selfie. Right. We wanna look at where we've been as a church. We wanna take time and celebrate what God has done. And we think that that's a healthy 
thing for us to do. We also want to take an honest look at where we are. And pastor, the word honest is not always easy, but it is important because honesty puts us in position to evaluate the way that we need to, that God wants us to, and to prayerfully consider where God's going to take us in 2017 and beyond. Right. You know, for any journey, you have to have reference points. You have to have point A, point B. Uh, this coming year, if you've got goals already in your mind, you've got to stop and say, where am I right now? Mm -hmm. And the first part of that can be painful, to honestly look at where you are. I mean, you need to ask yourself, in a spiritual sense, am I following the Lord really like I'm supposed to? In a physical sense, in a financial sense, whatever areas of life that you're looking at measuring, you have to have point A and point B. If I was going to take a trip and go somewhere, I need to decide where am I going to leave from? What's the point A reference point? And we also have to ask the question, what are the metrics we're gonna to use to measure success? I mean, you think about that. If you're looking in your life for financial health, um, then you probably would use the metric of dollars. How many dollars have I, what do I make? How much do I save? What am I spending on? How am I investing it? What do I wanna save for or toward? How much debt do I have? All those things make uh, up a picture of the reference point for where you wanna go. Well, if it's physical health, you're gonna use pounds. I may think about how many pounds I wanna lose or how many pounds I've gained. I wanna look at inches I've lost or inches that I have found. Uh, you may take a before picture even, and, and so that way you can know where you are so that you can take measurements to see where you're going. Um, and again, you have to have a starting point uh, in these places, like a relationship. If you're measuring relationships, then you wanna look at your family, you wanna look at your marriage, uh, how many date nights have I taken? Or how many family devotionals have I had over the past year? How many do I wanna have? What do I want to see different in my marriage? What about books? Did I read any books? How many books did I read? How many do I wanna read? What about raises at work? Have I gotten any raises? Do I want any raises? What does that look like? These are starting points and these are places where we have to know where we're going so that we can evaluate those uh, in an honest way. Uh, as a matter of fact, I like looking back. I like before and after, don't you, Pastor? I do right now, yes. Well, let me tell you, let me tell you, speaking of that, I think we have a before picture of our pastor that I'd like to show you uh, for a happy new year. So can we, can we just post this up there? Ooh. Pastor, that, that is amazing. July 2016, Dr. Scott Hanbury. And, uh, and then, we have, then we have the after picture where he is today. Can we just put that up there? Look at that, look at that. Can you see the difference? I, I enjoy the times to tell him he's half the man he used to be. That's right, that's right. <laughs> Terrible joke. Less to love, but not less lovable. That's right, that's right. exactly right. I also would like to take an opportunity since, you know, he's not in here, he's with the Chinese church today, but uh, you know, Pastor Ken Hopkins, I wanted to show you, this is Pastor Ken, Dr. Ken, the Ken Hopkins as I like to call him. But this is him just a few years ago. You may recognize this picture. <laughs> and then of course, there's the time when right after he stepped off the ark, this is Ken. <laughs> Anyway, what, you don't have to tell him that I said that. I'm just kidding, I promise. <laughs> Honestly, if you begin to think about spiritual health and spiritual growth, you again have to have reference points, but what measures are we gonna use as a church family? What measures are you gonna use in your own life? 
And, and so our desire is to really look back. And I don't want to take a, a long time to, to go through all kinds of statistics, but I want to just kind of briefly mention a few. If we can kind of put these on the screen, just to think about some of the things that are, are coming up. Um, as we think about um, our church, we could look at budgets and baptisms and, and uh, buildings. We could look at numbers, nickels, noses, all those things. We, we baptized 15 people this year. We praise God for that. We saw lots of people saved through the ministries of the church. In fact, just a couple of weeks ago at a local high school, we had 20 students that surrendered their lives to Christ at an FCA meeting. We had about 70 that surrendered to Christ at an FCA gathering here back in the spring. And so we've seen some incredible things that have happened uh, in and through the ministries of our church. Our giving is solid and strong. Just five years ago, when this church constituted as a church, our budget was almost half what it is today. We celebrate almost coming close to reaching a million dollar budget in 2016. Thousands upon thousands of dollars were given toward mission partnerships that you see here. We developed all of these partnerships, and I have gotten reports from many of them, uh, scores of people that have been saved through these different ministries. I could point out just a couple of them. In India, we have uh, confirmed uh, planted churches in 2016, over 85 churches that were planted that are a part of this one missionary couple and their wow. endeavor and the partnership that we have means that we're a part of that. Praise God. And so I celebrate that. There's a reference point. We have done great things. We were a part of the agricultural program in Nicaragua and the things that went on there through the ministry of Josh and Laurie Mowdy. That was a partnership Amen. in 2016. We celebrate that and it continues. And we, we think about plants in New Orleans and Idaho and Indiana. We think about plants uh, that are happening around the globe that we're a part of the Lighthouse Ministry here locally, the things that have gone on there, we could go on and on and on. But those are just a few reference points. We, we could pat ourselves on the back and go eat Chinese food and just say, you know what, we're doing fine. We just need to stay where we are. But if we're gonna be honest, if we're gonna have a, a, a real whole picture, we need to know that there are, there are many, many good things that are here. There's a sweet fellowship. You know, the numbers don't tell the whole story. Right. There is a precious nature within this church. The people love one another and care for one another. They actually wanna be here. The choir wants to hear us preach. Praise God. Thankful for that. <laughs> but, but here's the thing. If I had to say in, in presidential fashion, the state of the church, I would say, the state of the church is stable. I can't say that it's strong. Why? Because there's so much work left to be done. And in the coming year, I want us to be deliberate and intentional about our walk with Christ. I don't want us to be stable. I don't want us to be just status quo. Now, I don't, I don't mean that in the sense that we're gonna fly off the rails and do something crazy. What I want us to do is to trust God and his audacious promises that if you will call unto me, I will answer you. I'll show you great and unsearchable things that you don't know. Mm -hmm. Spiritual growth all boils down to influences. Mm -hmm. And so for the next few minutes, what we want to talk to you about are the influences that you're listening to. I want you to begin to think about the primary influence in your life. Who are you listening to? Or what voices are you listening to? What factors or voices drive your decisions and your beliefs or your behaviors? And we're going to look at a text in a moment that will really shape that. But Scott, talk to us for a minute about influences. Yeah, before, before I do, let me start with a story. There was a, a lady who had her son Christmas shopping and over the holidays, 
uh, she had drugged him all over the place and he was, he was a sport about it. And they got to the end of one particular day at the end of the shopping season and he had been with her through every mall and through every store and boutique or whatever they were going to. And uh, about the end of the day, one of the clerks reached over to, to her son and said, here you go, young man, you can have a sucker. You look like you need one. And he grabbed that sucker and his mom looked at him and said, honey, what do you say? And he looked at the cashier and said, charge it. Can you, see, can you see the influence, the power of the influence there? He had seen that modeled over and over again. Influence, influence comes out in our behaviors. People see what's influencing us. The right influences improve us, church. But the wrong influences impair us. This is a truth. Scott, say those, say those two statements again. I think that's worth, that it bears repeating. The right influences improve us. The wrong influence impairs us. And unfortunately, we see this in behaviors all across our community. We see it with our own eyes. Things that we, we don't want to see, but yet it's a part of it. But good news is what we're here to present today. And so the good news of today is that we can intentionally, we meaning us, Pastor Scott and myself included, we can intentionally choose what influences we are going to submit to to shape our lives. We want to take God's word, of course. The beauty of God's word is that it dives deep into us and challenges us as a church, as families, and as individuals regarding this word called influence. So we're going to ask you to turn in God's word to Psalms chapter 1. We're going to be looking at the first three verses. Psalms chapter 1, verses 1, 2, and 3. And pastor, why don't you read that text for us? We're going to read this from several different translations throughout the sermon this morning. But I, I invite you, if you have a copy of God's word, to turn there. And let's just hear the word of the Lord. Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked or stand around with sinners, or join in with mockers. But they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. They are like trees planted among or along the riverbank, bearing fruit each season. Their leaves never wither, and they prosper in all that they do. I think, Pastor, I think there's some key words that stand out in the text that you read. I would love for you to just pull out some of those key words that stand out to you. Sure. And all of these words are verbs, and, and three of them really have to do with what we're doing, and then the, the result flows out of it. Let's look at those. Follow, stand, join. How about those words? Delight, bear, and prosper. Follow, stand, join, delight, bear, Prosper. Yeah, this is all about influence. Right. And this passage is the influence that leads us to understand the benefits and blessings of following God's word. That's important for us to settle into and for us to really pull ourselves into trusting and believing enough that we follow the pattern of what God is teaching us here. Because if we do that, then the major influence of our life becomes truth. And that's where we see good things pour out of us. These are the patterns, the habits, the actions that come from this passage that our pastor just read. The psalmist is talking about a pattern. He's talking about living out a pattern of dependence. I think that's a word that you should really write down, a word that you should take to heart, the word dependence. 
This is where God's word leads us to incredible results when we truly trust him and we're dependent on him. So here's a great principle that I want to challenge you to, to jot down and put in your heart and mind. The pattern of our life is built around action. The pattern of our life is built around action. So we can speak things all day, but the action of our life is where we really want to model this word dependence and influence begins to shape us. We don't have to tell people to do wrong. As a matter of fact, I'll, I'll guarantee you, I can speak into this, this situation. I'll guarantee you we will never have a parenting class so that parents can learn how to teach their children to do wrong. Not necessary. I don't That's think right. we'll do that. Uh, right. You just let them live and you'll find that little sin nature creeps out. As cute as that little bundle of joy is, <laughs> they will sin. That's right. And they'll show you that they've got a heck of a sin nature inside of them. And, and what we see though is it's natural for us to follow bad influences. Unfortunately, it's a natural pattern for us to stand around instead of standing up for things. It's easy for us in our sinful nature to join in instead of going against the crowd. This passage is leading us to ask a question. What influence in your life guarantees that blessings pour out from your life tomorrow? What a great question to evaluate. What to follow? where to stand, what to join in. Look at this text. It says these words, how blessed is the man who does not follow the advice of the wicked. That influence, he states it negatively. Obviously because it's a don't do this, don't follow the wicked's advice. But that statement is gonna help us understand the power of influence. The word follow is not a new word for you as a church. The word follow is a word that you've heard Jesus command us. He commands us to follow him. He says, he says follow me. We, we, we talk a lot here at Hardy Street about what it means to be a Jesus follower. As a matter of fact, you can take your bulletin and you can turn it around to the back. If you're a guest today, if you've been here for years among years, you can take that bulletin, look at the back, and you can see what we've been saying here at Hardy Street over and over again as it pertains to following Jesus. Knowing growing, going, knowing him and making him known, growing in him and going for him. It's all right there, packaged up so we can know what is the desire for Hardy Street is that the influence of Jesus is greater in you than the influence of the world. And that's where we want to land today to follow him and let that be central in your life and in our church. So the, the next step of this is we want to focus in on what this text tells us is important in terms of what influence to follow. And it really lays out two choices for every single one of us. So if you're a Christian today, or maybe you're not a Christian, maybe you're not yet convinced, you've not crossed the line of faith. Maybe you've been an active church member, maybe you've just been a casual church member. The bottom line is here in our text, the Bible gives us two options. The advice of the wicked are the wisdom of the word. Mm -hmm. The advice of the wicked or the wisdom of the word. And he tells us what to do. He says you need to meditate on the word day and night. Keep it in front of you, focus on it. Let it become an influence, a voice, a, a guiding point. Let it become a source of truth. Let it become the source of truth for your life. Yeah, pastor, like never before in history has so much biblical scholarship been available at our fingertips for all Christians. In days gone by, 
and even in some lands today this is the case, but merely to possess a copy of the Bible in your own native tongue. And it, it, it was something that was a privilege. But today we have dozens of translations. We have paraphrases at our fingertips. Christian bookstores are flooded with books on the market to help with Bible study. We have printed Bibles. We have Bible apps, Bible study aids. We have those available everywhere. In spite of all of these marvelous tools, the unfortunate part of this is that I seriously doubt that the average Christian is as much of a student in the scriptures as we have the opportunity to be. Yeah. And saints of earlier periods, they were so, so uh, deepened by the scriptures because they sunk their life into the memory and the meditation of God's word. And so a part of the reason, a part of the reason that, that we get to move in this place of the word today is because we have the scriptures challenging us and maybe we're not as hungry for the, the scholarship or the scriptures because maybe it's all of the preaching that's available for us. Uh, we have all of the good preaching. We have so many podcasts at our fingertips. Perhaps Christians have concluded that a personal Bible study is really unnecessary because I'm not a professional. We have professionals that do that kind of work for us. Uh, and they share the cream from their study. So why should I take all of the time to have study for myself? But more than anything else, I'm convinced that the reason why so many are such poor students of the scriptures, and I hate that I have to be the one to to put this on the table, but this is my heart, is that we are not convinced of the value of the personal study of God's word in our own heart. Here the psalmist is challenging us. He's telling us to become men and women who delight in the blessing we get from diving into God's word. And that if we dwell on it, we meditate on it, we hunger for it, we're gonna have fruitful lives. Do you see the power of that impact? of God's word in us. But church, it requires action. It requires effort. You can be busy in many church activities and never be effective in finding fruitfulness of the study of God's word. Right. We're not asking you to be busy. We're asking you to put forth the right actions to see fruit roll out of your life. He meditates on it day and night. It almost, it, it almost takes no effort to hear the advice of the wicked. Just, just lend your ear to modern television and radio and people that you work around in the world that we live in. All you have to do is just breathe and you see you're bombarded with wicked worldly advice. But to meditate on God's word, well, that takes deliberate effort. And in my opinion, this is where the church takes that turn that we look different than the world. It's a decision, a determination, and a dedication that we will follow. So here's another principle before I turn it back over to you, Pastor. The mind will dwell on something. Your mind is gonna sit on something. It's gonna dwell and cook on something. My question is, what are you spending time dwelling on? Scott, in the last year, we've talked a lot about Bible intake. We talked about that being a priority and an importance in our lives. But what we want to do now is to give some tools in this focused year of discipleship. If we really want to come to January the 1st, 2018, and say the members of Hardy Street Baptist Church dug into the influence of the Word, dedicated themselves to the Word, here's what I'm calling for. I want us to make it easier and more likely that you'll invest time in the Word of God. Let me say that again. 
My desire as your pastor is to make it easier and more likely that you will dive into the Word of God. Amen. So how do I do that? We put tools in your hand. We have a three-part goal. And we sat down weeks ago and just began to pray through this. I want to give you these very, very quickly. And, and you'll see these in the, the bigger goals when we talk about application. I want everybody here getting into the Word of God. I want everybody here grasping the Word of God, and I want everybody here growing in the Word of God. Amen. So how do we help you get into the Word of God? One of the very first things to do is to begin looking at your habits, your patterns, how you are living your life. And so if we want you to dig in and to understand it and grow in it, we've got three simple tools to put in your place. Number one, a Bible reading plan. On your way in this morning, hopefully you got one. If you didn't, again, you can get it on the way out. Very simply, there is a Bible reading plan. This is a chronological plan that starts today. So this afternoon, jump in. We just want you to invest time reading the Word of God. Very, very simple. Just start there. You may not understand everything you read, but invest time there. This Bible reading plan will get you moving forward. If this one doesn't fit you, then go to our website. We put 25 other Bible reading plans there. There is no excuse. It's kind of like going to the gym. That uh, equipment at the gym is not going to work out by itself. The best, the best plan that is for you is the one that you'll actually use. So we want you to get into God's Word. That's just the baby step. That's wading in. But we've put these plans together to help you get into God's Word. There's another plan. It's the Bible memory plan. We're going to put in front of you every Sunday during the sermon a scripture to memorize. Isn't that incredible? We're going to challenge you to memorize Scripture. And as a church family, our pastor is going to challenge us to memorize God's Word, to hide it in our heart. And all through 2017, you adults, you teenagers, college students, children, we're going to be memorizing the same Scriptures together and challenging challenging each other. And as we move through the year, we hope to have flashcards available and other activities so that we can drive these verses home. You know, I would love to get to December, and we have at that point memorized 40 to 50 scripture verses, one a week. We're giving you this week off, by the way. We're starting next Sunday, and that gives you a week. Some of you are sweating that already. But I would love to get to December and for a third grader to be able to walk up to any person in this church yeah. and ask you to quote that verse, and you know it. We want to put you on your toes. I want you to be able to ask our third graders or our staff members. I want every one of you to ask Ken Hopkins every single week what verse he's supposed to memorize. Amen. He needs all the help he can get. No, we all do. And we want to memorize those verses together. So we have a Bible reading plan and a Bible memory plan. Let me give you the third one, a Bible study plan. And the Bible study plan is going to be three or four part. It's going to have several things. It's comprehensive. One part of it is very simple. We're going to do workshops that we're calling Feed Yourself. The first one's going to be in March. We'll give you the dates, but these Feed Yourself workshops are very simple tools to help you understand how to grasp God's Word. We do this out west and we call it preacher school. I go out twice a year. I've gone to states throughout the western uh, United States, the Pacific Northwest and the Intermountain West. And we have taught men and women how to study God's word. And we've taught those men how to preach the word of God. We want to teach you how to grasp what you're reading, how to understand it and how to feed yourself. It's one thing to be taught by somebody else. It's one thing to get on, on and watch television or a radio or a podcast and listen to some preacher preach. It's another thing not to get leftovers from somebody else, but to actually take the Word of God, 
Meditate on it for yourself and to let God speak to you through the Word. So a Bible reading plan, a Bible memory plan, and a Bible study plan. Let me give you the second part of our Bible study plan, and this is critical. Uh, Sunday school teachers are hearing this at the exact same time everyone is. We're going to challenge our Sunday school to move to a new curriculum for just a time that is called the Disciples Path. You may not desire to go on that path, that's okay. We're gonna encourage it for at least one quarter and then beyond that, you can move forward, starting in March. Lifeway has repackaged the old uh, disciple material that Avery Willis had put together that was called Master Life, and they've just redesigned it in the Disciples Path. It's just very simple, nuts and bolts discipleship. It's something that everybody here can benefit from. I don't care where you are on your journey as a Christian, there's another step. Would you agree? That's right. If you take these two fingers and put them here or here and fill a pulse, there's still another step to Amen. take. This side of heaven, you've not been perfected yet. And so we're asking you to join us on the disciples path. In January and February, we'll be putting materials into the hands of our Sunday school teachers and training them and showing them the material to see if they want to opt into this. We're starting brand new Sunday school classes. We'll talk about that in a moment when we get to growing. But the idea is that through a Bible reading plan, a Bible memory plan, and a Bible study plan, focus strategic discipleship this year, we want you to grow. Amen. Now, the text moves from this first place of what to follow, the Word of God, to where we stand. So, Scott, share with us some things about this notion of where we're to stand. The text leads us in the progression. It says, blessed is he who does not stand around with sinners. I believe that the antidote for standing around with sinners is actually taking a stand for what God's word leads us to stand on. Amen. And, and we see that we stand for the right priorities as people of God, meaning we fight for the family. The family is important to us. And so standing for the right priorities means that husbands, you are to cherish and love your wives and build them up. Do your words build them up? Do you stand for that priority? Regardless of what the world does, you're different. Take a stand. Don't stand around. Take a stand for the priorities that matter. What about your children? Wives, what about building up your husband? Grandparents, how about, how about your impact and influence still on the younger generation and your grandchildren? Those of you who are single, what priorities are you standing for in the middle of a crooked generation as the scripture speaks of? Standing for firm in a changing culture, and, and most importantly, and I would put this right in front of, of all of us, is standing for your relationship with Christ, mm -hmm. who he is and what he has done in you and making that known to the world around you, that you are not afraid of the gospel message that has saved your life. Amen. Amen. That's exactly right. We should have fire from that right off the bat. I want to be clear that we as a church love the family. We believe in the family. Family is God's design for spiritual growth. It's the soil in which the fruit of discipleship is grown. Our pastor has said 2017's emphasis is discipleship. If that's the case, it's time for us to rally around what we believe is so important, the priority of family here at Hardy Street in our community, and that we fight to see our families make disciples of their kids, of their children, pour into them. We want you to know that no one grows spiritually by themselves. You cannot expect your children to grow spiritually by themselves. So really, we can refine our, our, our 
focus even more in 2017, Pastor, if you'll allow me to do that. We're going to say 2017 is the year of family discipleship. How about that, church? Family discipleship. Well, it gives context to it. Whether it's in marriage, parenting, or grandparenting, whether you're, you're single, in all of your life stages, we want to focus on how to best help yeah. you to grow, and it happens together. And, and I just want you to hear this. If you hear nothing else, the word intentional is coming forward in 2017. Our desire is to be intentional about the way that we do church. No more just coming. You know, Scott, yeah. in the hectic life that most people live, they can take their kids to, to sports practices and to games. They can take them to uh, all kinds of activities. They can take their kids or their grandkids to, uh, uh, to, to lessons for music or other things like that. And the bottom line is they can do all those things and give them the very best opportunities for success in life mm -hmm. and still miss the chance to teach them what matters most. Right. And what would it look like if you stood before the Lord and you said to the Lord that you took your grandkids, you took your kids to all of those things, you provided opportunities for them to be good at football or baseball or soccer or tennis or playing an instrument or singing songs and you missed telling them about Jesus, teaching them how to follow Jesus. And the bottom line is you don't have to do anything to stand around with sinners, you just stand around. And your kids need to see intentionality in your life so they can grow up smart and athletic and popular and polite and lack a vibrant relationship yeah. with Jesus. Yeah, that's right. And the few hours that we spend each week in church are not enough to train them to follow Jesus. That's why it has to happen at home. That's why it has to happen as a parent or a grandparent invest in the next generation. That's why a couple, whether you're nearly wed, newly wed, or you've been married a long time, Regardless of where you are, you need to nurture faith in your marriage, and we're going to help you to do it. Church, I have challenged Scott Pittman uh, in the past six months to begin to develop this, to think through us, and to give us guidance biblically and tangibly in ways that parents and grandparents and married couples ultimately, blended families, single parents, can build a legacy of faith for the coming generation. That's right. Pastor Scott, here's something that, that I want to lay out in front of us because it's a statement that's true, but it's a statement that's heavy, and I'm going to ask you to write this down. Satan has a plan for your family. Satan has a plan for my family. Write that down personally. Satan has a plan for my family. Not yours, mine. mine. Scripture tells us that he comes to steal he comes to kill and he wants to destroy. Sometimes we think that must mean that something catastrophic is going to happen. But it could just mean that he lulls you to sleep to the point that you stand around instead of standing up for what matters most. We're asking this morning that you understand the power of God's word in your life so that that bleeds into you being a disciple maker for your children and those around you. Scott, we could invest a lot of time focused on these things. Yeah. I want to take a, a minute. I want you to do something for us. Uh, what are some of the reasons that people don't take an intentional stand for their family? I mean, these are well-intentioned people. I know the people of Hardy Street love the Lord. At least they say they love the Lord, and they're striving and trying. Yeah. What are some things that stand in the way, though, of them being all that they want to be? Because Satan has a plan, and he does distract. He does yeah. keep us off track at times. You're right, and, and I agree that you, you will know these as I, as I talk about these four 
these four things that get in the way of us from the intentions to see in the practice is that number one is hard. You hear that? It is hard. Have you ever tried to teach an old dog new tricks? It's hard. It's difficult. I'm not calling you old church, by the way. That may have came across as if I'm just going to move on. It's difficult. And, and the reason it's so hard is because the pattern and the, and the cycle of our habits, they're steeped in our, our flesh, our, our sin nature. And so when we see that change occur, it has to be a massive movement of God and surrender and obedience. But the number two is that it takes time. We live in a culture that is very instant. Uh, Pastor Scott could give us many examples of how people have walked away from the faith because they wanted to see the changes in their life right now instead of giving the time that it takes. You see, our walk with Christ has been, has been illustrated so often as a marathon, not a sprint. And because it takes time to do this, and there's time that God's going to be changing you and challenging you and shaping your life. And so we're not, listen, our, our goal is not to jump in and say, this is how you modify all of your behavior patterns. All of you need behavior modifications in cert certain areas, but that's not what God's focus is on. We, we studied this morning in Sunday school in, in, in Samuel that God said, God said to, to, that man looks at the outward appearance, but God pierces right through and sees the heart. And that's where we want to find is, is that God takes our heart and changes over time. The third reason is because we don't know how. And we don't know how because we really, we really don't believe that all of these things that we're going to put in front of you will actually work. So if we don't know how to do it, then we're going to put tools in front of you. But do you realize that the tools that we give you may not be enough for you? Because your faith has to trust that God will take the tools if you apply them and work them in your family. So we want to equip you to know how, but you got to believe it when we put it in front of you. And then number four is we hope for the best. We hope for the best. I see how I was as a child, and I see how I grew up, and I turned out okay, right? So, I mean, I'm just going to live my life with my kids, dragging them around in hopes that their influence on my life will not be at the end of the day. They look up after receiving a sucker and say, charge it. That's right. That's right. Influence is going to happen. So we cannot settle with this, we hope for the best method. God's design is that you don't follow the advice of the wicked and that you do not stand around it with sinners, but rather pursuing godly wisdom and take a stand for godly priorities. Scott, it, it is borne out in all kinds of statistics that very, very few people have spiritual conversations outside the context of the church. They leave the walls of the church and they may pray for a meal, but to actually sit down and have spiritual conversations, husband and wife, parent and child, grandparent and grandchildren, it's just not happening. About 10% is what George Barna recently said. About 10% of Christians actually have spiritual conversations outside the walls of a gathered place that we call church. And the reality is it's not going to happen by osmosis. Your kids are going to get that influence. Yeah. They're, they're seeing you watching football more than they are worshiping. Do they see you opening your Bible? Do they see you spending time with God? You know, go back to that illustration, Scott. So many people say, well, I grew up okay. I, I was a kid once. And because I was a kid and I grew up okay, then, then my kids are okay. 
And I watch men and, and women who spend thousands of dollars in pursuit of continuing education to, uh, to develop marketable skills in their job and they won't lift a finger to read one book about parenting or look at these tools. And, and church, I want you to hear me. I'm not trying to beat you up and we're certainly not saying we have all the answers. We're just providing tools that are biblical. The Bible is the answer. Yeah. The Bible says meditate on the word of God, stand not with the sinners, but take that stand. And our desire is that you would take these tools and begin to use them. The person that says, I grew up okay and now I can parent without learning how to parent is like somebody saying, well, I had a successful surgery and because I came through it okay, why don't you give me a gown and a scalpel and let me help out around here? I don't know if you want that guy no, helping you. out at all. There, there's a learning curve. There's a process to it. And we have to be intentional. That moves us to the next goals. Yeah, and the next goal is faith at home, faith at home, tools, tools, and more tools in 2017, the year of family discipleship. And we're gonna provide these constant tools to equip parents, to equip grandparents, to equip couples, to equip individuals so that we can see you grow. That's the name of the game. Church family, I want you to know this. Um, the faith at home concept is one that I challenged Scott. When we called Scott Pittman a year ago, uh, or, or almost a year ago, we began to just pray and say, I want you to help us to develop um, a mindset where we understand it's my job to raise my kids and my grandkids to love Jesus. It's my job as a husband to make my wife a better Christian. That man that you're sitting next to, if you're married to him, ought to know and love and follow Jesus yeah. more passionately and wholeheartedly because he's married to you, ladies, and our desire is to see that develop. Now, we're gonna need to cut to the chase if we yeah. can and really focus in. I've got a couple things that I wanna share with you just very, very quickly about what we value as a church. Let's move forward in our thinking as we think. We're not supposed to, to meditate on the wisdom of the world, uh, of, of the wickedness that's there, but on the wisdom of the word. We're not to focus on standing around with sinners, but we're to take an intentional stand that means that we develop a mindset of discipleship. And then ultimately, as we think about what we join in with, I, I think this is so powerful, not to join in the seat of the scoffers. Yeah. You can't just sit down. Scott, talk to us for a minute, if you will, uh, about what we said yeah. ultimately those values about people and relationships. Well, we, we want to make sure that we join in with what God has rallied us to and the things that we join in are those things that we value as a church, that we value what God values. And number one, what we value are people. That's right. We value people and if we value people, we're gonna find that, that we treat people differently inside the church and outside the church because it's not contingent on whether or not you're in this building, it's contingent whether or not Christ is ruling your heart. That's right. And so we see that people matter to God, so people matter to us. We want people to be saved, we want people to be growing in community. We want, we want you as people to go out and, and, and tell other people about your story. Take whativaluemost.com. It's a, it's a website that if you've not been familiar with that, Pastor Scott has told us over and over again, put your story on whativaluemost.com. Why? Because that goes out and tells people, I care about you enough to tell you how God shaped my life through his son Jesus. And I don't want you to miss out on that grand adventure. But another place that we have to land is what we do stand for and what we do join in. And that's relationships. Pastor, relationships matter. We want people to matter, but we want relationships with people to matter. We want healthy relationships in our church. 
We want loving relationships to permeate every aspect of this church. Family relationships, small group relationships, relationships with the lost in the community, and relationships ultimately that center around Jesus Christ. We're developing a culture. Church, hear this. We're developing a culture of honor, a culture where we build each other up. In our family last night, Pastor, we went through what our three objectives were for our family, but the number two objective was is that we build one another up. Inside our home, the five of us should never be tearing one another down. That's the same concept that we carry into our church family. We need to build each other up. There's enough people out there shooting sheep. We don't need to shoot each other. Let's build each other up. A culture of honor. Let's ask God to take that and, and just create so that when people come in, they see what we value. We value people. We value relationships. How about this? We value obedience, Pastor. We value obedience in that pursuit of Jesus Christ. And of course, we've got more to talk on this later. But those are things that we have to put in into practice of what we join in on. These things we value, these things shape what we do and who we become. Scott, I want to wrap all of this up and I can't sit down and preach. I'm Go sorry, ahead, I've, I've got to stand up. I want to talk to you for just a moment about God-sized goals for 2017. This may have sounded like philosophy to you or just theology, it's not. This is practical, rubber meets the road, living out, following Jesus. Yeah. That's our desire, that's our design. And we just wanted to take you through that text and help you to think that this isn't new. God said, if you will stand in this influence, it'll lead you to ruin. You say, we didn't read that. If you'll join in with these people, it'll lead you to dry up and be destroyed. Well, Pastor, that wasn't in the text. No, the text stated it negatively. It says, don't stand here. Don't join in here. Don't follow here. But then it said, do you remember the other words? It said prosper, it said planted, and it says that you will bear fruit. That's right. And the, the incredible thing is we want our church bearing fruit. I don't want our church dried up. I don't want it to look like a, a nice religious act on the outside yeah. and be dead on the inside. My heart's desire is that it would be filled with the energy and the spirit of God. In 2017, I'm going to pursue Jesus like I never have before. In 2017, we're going to develop a, a focused effort to pray like never before and to go like never before. And here are some of those goals. Very simply, the state of the church is stable, but it can no longer stay where it is. Our desire is this, that you would grasp God's Word, that you would get into God's Word, and you would grow in it. That's the matter of knowing. Let's talk about these just a moment. Knowing. One voice. I want every single member here to put their testimony on whatIValueMost.com. And I know that sounds like a broken record. If you have <laughs> not shared your testimony, schedule an appointment this very week with one of our staff members and sit down and just share it with us. We'll put it on the website. And it's not about the website. It's about sharing your story. We want to capture every single person's story on video this coming year. That's a big audacious goal. It's going to take a lot of work, but we want every single person to be able to stand. I don't want to preach another funeral where I'm curious about their faith. I'm questionable about their faith. I want to be able to say this person loved Jesus and looked forward to heaven. And yeah. I want you to be able to say it. I'd love to play that video at your own funeral and say, why should I speak for them? Let them speak. That's right. My desire is that with one voice, we would share throughout the pine belt, Jesus saves. Mm. If we value people and relationships and obedience, let me just give you this nugget. Found people, find people. That's right. If you've been saved, you're going to look for people that need to be saved. 
Saved people served people. If you know the Lord Jesus Christ, it's going to develop a hunger in you to go out and serve other people. So the goals that we're setting, one voice, every member's testimony, one pursuit. I'm going to ask everybody here to invest one hour in intercessory prayer every single week, 52 hours in the coming year. Outside at the prayer center, we've developed a 2017 intercessory prayer guide. That's a tool. Pick it up and use it. You'll pray through these goals. You can come to the prayer room and pray. We'll take you through orientation and share. You don't have to come here. Would you be willing to give one hour a week, not praying for yourself, not praying just for your family, but interceding for revival, interceding for spiritual awakening? One hour. I would ask everybody here to give one hour a month in outreach. Starting next Monday night, not tomorrow night, but next Monday night, we're going to have scheduled visitation and we're going to go out and we're going to share the gospel. If you've never done that and you're scared to do that, come and we will help you. We want to be a part of that in your life. We want you to give one time a month for 12 months. We're asking you to learn and memorize one verse a week. We've already mentioned that one. That's knowing, growing. We want to challenge every member to grow in the word. We've talked about those things every member to attend one of those Feed Yourself workshops. We're asking for God to help us increase our small group numbers by eight. I want to start eight new Sunday school classes this coming year. In just a couple of weeks, Joshua and Laurie Mowdy are going to start a young adult class. In a, a couple of months, I'm going to start a class called Starting Point, just basic fundamental discipleship. We want to start eight new classes because there are people that are sitting in Sunday school that need to be teaching. And you need to be reaching people. And if we're going to see our church grow, we've got to grow the number of groups that we have. I want to see our Sunday school numbers grow to an average of 300. Amen. I want to see our worship attendance grow to an average next year of 400. I believe that's possible. Amen. If you look at where we have been, it's trending upward. Giving has trended upward. Attendance has trended upward. You say, Scott, is this like a business seminar? No, these are the matters of the kingdom. Yeah. God wrote an entire book called Numbers. You realize that, don't you? Some of you will appreciate that later. Numbers matter. Numbers matter because they represent people. I'm not interested in just growing a church. I want to see the kingdom grow. I want to see it grow spiritually, knowing, growing, going. We have scheduled the first revival meeting that this church has had, and I can't tell you how long. I've tried to go back through the books and see, and it's been a long, long time. Dr. Harry Lucenay will be preaching to us in April. I long for those days of revival, but leading up to it, we're going to have cottage prayer meetings in in homes, and we're going to pray for our neighbors to be saved. We're going to pray for our classmates to be saved. We're going to pray for our coworkers to come to Christ. Knowing Christ and making Him known growing in Christ in small group relationships and going for Christ to our neighbors, the nations, and the next generation. Let me finish up by talking about going. I want to challenge at least double what we had this year to go on short-term mission next year. We have opportunities to go on mission right now to Idaho, to Wyoming, to New Orleans, to Atlanta, to Operation Christmas Child, to India, to the Dominican Republic, and to China. We have eight different geographic regions that have invited us to come and be a part of short-term missions. I would love for you to consider going. We'll have interest meetings in the coming weeks regarding some of those trips for the rest of the year, and I would love for you to consider going. 
I would love for you to consider giving to the worldwide missions offering like never before. One of the challenges in that list of goals is this, that you would consider giving one day's wage to missions. That in the course of the year, you would say, what do I make over 365 days? Divide that by 365 and set that as a goal and say, I'll give that to missions. Not just to the budget of the church, but I'll give that to our cause of missions. What I'm saying, church, is we've got a lot of work to do. There's more to be done. There are steps to be taken. On your way out today, pick up the Bible reading plan. On your way out, pick up that intercessory prayer guide and begin to pray for our church. Begin to pray like never before for your children, for your grandchildren, for your spouse, for your lost neighbors. Let's do all that we can in this coming year and next year be amazed. Let me tell you the the biggest goal that we've set We prayed for 100 people to be saved this year through the ministry of this church. We baptized 15. That was my desire, we would see 100 baptized. We didn't see that, but we did see dozens and dozens of people saved. And I said, Scott, begin praying about that. What's on your heart? He said, I wanna see 17 and 17. I said, 17 people? And he said, yeah, every month. Amen. That's 204 people. Can God do that? Amen. Can God save 200 people through the ministry of this church? Yes, he can. He can if we'll begin to share and go. He's not dependent on us doing those things. He can do it however he wants, but he's chosen to use us. I'm praying for 17 and 17. Yeah. 17 in January, 17 in February, right on down the line. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. You believe it. Church family, this may have been the weirdest service you've ever sat through in your life. It's probably the weirdest one that I've ever been a part of, but that's okay. Our heart's desire is not to play games or pretense. We don't need to be flashy. We don't need smoke and mirrors. Let's just be who we are. Let's stand on the word of God. Let's follow after his wisdom. Let's join in, not with the mockers, but let's join in with the saints of God and let's usher in the kingdom of God day by day. We're praying for you and I look forward to the tools that we'll roll out that will help all of us to be passionate Jesus followers. Knowing, growing, going, a family of faith in the heart of Hattiesburg, making disciples among our neighbors, the nations, and the next generation. Because of time, there are two things that we need to do this morning, and our invitation is going to be different. If you need to trust the Lord today, find somebody and ask them, How am I to be saved? We're not going to give a, a standing forward invitation. I've got to go pray for Dawson's service next door. But I'm going to ask David Morgan and his family if he would come forward just for a moment. One of the things this coming year that I'm more burdened about than ever is commissioning. In the coming year, we've got some families that are praying about going to Idaho, not his family. He's looking at me. His wife just said, I didn't know about that. (laughs) But every time someone is sent out from our church, I want to pray over them. We want to pray for those that potentially this year are gonna move to Idaho and be a part of a church plant. David is a tech sergeant with the Mississippi Air National Guard and he is being deployed on January the 10th for about a 45 day deployment to the Middle East. I want you praying for David Morgan and I wanted you to see his family because I want you to pray for Donna and I want you to pray for Dylan and Danny. Would you agree to do that? Would you promise to do that this morning? Scott, I'm gonna ask if you would voice that prayer over this precious family. I'm going to pray with the Chinese congregation and I'm going to meet you in the fellowship hall and we're going to eat Chinese food that has no calories in it. It's January 1st. No calories count today. They can start tomorrow to the glory of God. Join us in the fellowship hall and listen. 
Church, lean in close. Join us on this journey of discipleship. You will never regret it. I don't want to stand before the Lord and say, Lord, I heard the call and didn't answer it. Lord, I did everything I could do for your name's sake to make much of Jesus. That's our desire as a church family. We're praying not just for protection for David and for his family, we're praying for power. I'm praying that God would use you in this time. And I want, Donna, I want you to know that our church family is here for you during this time. We love y'all and we're grateful for you. Scott, pray us out. Amen. Will you pray with me over the Morgan family? Father in heaven, we love the fact that we can stand together as a church family. And I pray over David, Donna, Dylan, and Danny. I pray over them, Father, as they go through this, this time, Father, of uncertainty, Father, which may we be reminded that every day we live with uncertainty. For you're the one, God, who holds our plans, and we are thankful for that. Father, we trust that your hand will be over our military. We trust that your hand will be over our brother. We know, God, that, that we can entrust you, Father, entrust anyone with you because you are faithful. And Lord, we love the reality that what we bring before you today, Father, is a precious family to us, a precious family, not only to this community, but Father, a family that you created and placed, Father, for a, for a specific purpose. And we know, God, that there is much to be said about that purpose as they grow as a family. So we're asking, God, you'll protect David. Bring him back safely. Let him be used for your glory. Let Donna, Dylan, and Danny know that they're loved and supported and built up. We love you, Jesus. And it's in your name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. amen. Thank you.